do it. There we go. Good morning again, Grace. Hey, uh, so we are ending this sermon series, The People of His Presence, in the same place we started the sermon series, uh, and that's in Philippians chapter 4, talking about uh, our battle against anxiety and what God has to say about that. And so uh, at the risk of flashbacks and triggering, I want to talk about a time in the world that was not too long ago, and that was uh, March of 2020. So yeah, everybody, can we just feel sad for a moment what happened to us? So if you want to, uh, if you want to be depressed later, you can go try to find your 2020 calendar and look through it and of all the things that were canceled and all of the things that became virtual and so you had virtual graduation, postponed weddings. Uh, you had a great trip to Mexico planned. Do you remember that? Yeah, that didn't happen. You were going to go, and uh, you had been working out, and you were going to get tanned, and that didn't happen. And so all of this stuff canceled on you, and what you pictured, uh, and it's really bad because like 2020 is like vision 2020, so every pastor everywhere was like, vision 2020, and we were all stoked, and it was like, yeah, sorry about all that, like... Turns out we are not God, and this is out of our control. So um, all of that happened to us, out of our control, and what happens is when you have something done unto you that makes you feel out of control, you worry, and you get anxious, and it leaves you open to lies and schemes of the enemy. So that happened in 2020, and I think anxiety and depression and the feelings of worry were ever-present back then, but I feel like, and, and you can correct me later if you think I'm wrong, uh, it feels like those really ratcheted up over the last two or three years, and they just haven't gone away. <laughs> it's just like, and now it's worse. And so uh, in my deep biblical theological study, I found a couple of memes that I think could help us. So this is what our life is like right now. Um, anxiety, but what if this happens? But what if it doesn't? But what if it does happen? Me. Well, you got me there. Okay. You, you don't think that one's that funny? This one really kills me. Okay. Scientists invented a bracelet that converts stress to enemy, energy, me when I wear it for five minutes. Yeah. Some of you are like, this ain't funny, man. Like, I didn't come here to be attacked today. Yeah, okay. I know, I know. This is a sensitive, touchy topic, so I'm just trying to bring some levity to it as we get going. But uh, here, here's where it gets serious. Um, to use the metaphor of, like, your, your kitchen table, it, it's like... A few years ago, we, uh, anxiety happened to us, and, and what's happened over the last few years is like we've just pulled up a chair to the table and said, anxiety, I guess you just live here now. Like, you might as well just stay a while. And that's, that's just been the story that I feel like is over and over and over again happening, and the enemy, he, he's leveraging this against us. And so we're going to loop back to Philippians 4 and talk it out because there is an ongoing, ever-present anxiety in a lot of our lives that the enemy wants to be there. He wants to burden us down with worry. And Jesus knows this, and the, the Bible knows this, so we're going to talk about it. Because what's going on with anxiety often is like there's a problem, but underneath that is the, the real problem. So anxiety is the presenting issue, but there's really other issues underneath that. And Jesus knew this. So just briefly, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, don't worry about your life. Don't be anxious about your life. But what? Seek first the kingdom, and all this will be given to you. So Jesus tells us, don't, don't be anxious about your issues, but seek first the kingdom. So that, that anxiety, what's going on, it's, it's a big deal, but because it's a big deal because it's, present, it's preventing you from seeking first the kingdom. And so many of us, we have these primary issues that, of anxiety happening in our life, and they're stealing from us the opportunity to walk in the kingdom of God and our purpose. 
So Jesus says, don't worry about your life because it's stealing from you an opportunity to live in the kingdom. In Luke chapter 8, with the parable of the sower, uh, Jesus says there's gospel is being thrown all over the, the place. And, and the ones that don't bear fruit is, is the ones that get choked out by the weeds. And what does he say the weeds are? The worries of life. And so the worries of life are choking out many of us from experiencing what we have in Christ. And so uh, all of a sudden, this goes from some funny memes to like, hey, Grace Church, worry is sabotaging your purpose. Worry is stealing from you the life in the kingdom. And so it's no small thing that can lead us down a broken path. And so we're going to talk about it today in a way that is, again, tries to be light, but also is serious because here's, here's the implications. Uh, if you have worries about your grades in school, students, like that would lead you to cheat. If you have anxiety about dating someone, that could lead you to compromise in a relationship you should have never been in. If you have anxiety about money, then that could lead you to do something unethical that you should have never done. If you have anxiety about being liked, the next thing you know, you're embellishing stories about yourself that aren't true, and everybody knows they aren't true, but you embellish them anyways, and they're like, bro, that's not your life. But you're anxious, and you want it to be your life. Uh, you, you could have anxiety that could lead you to some addictions that, that make you run to relief and escape, but uh, there, there's so much of this happening to us. Here, here's the question. How do we deal with this spiritually? For our hearts and for our purpose and for our future, how do we deal with this spiritually? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to look at this again today. And this is where Pastor Scott started us, but we're going to tackle it again today. So as you're turning to Philippians 4, I want to briefly say, um, I realize that there's nuance in this conversation because there is medical conditions called anxiety and depression. And then there's what you see in the scripture talked about as anxiety and depression. So I'm not talking about anxiety disorders. Uh, I'm pro-counseling, I'm pro-getting whatever help you need. I'm actively in counseling. I was there on Wednesday talking to my counselor about how anxious I was about this sermon, and so that was fun. <laughs> so uh, he gave me a great quote of like anxiety that made no sense to me, and I, I, so I can't read it to you because it's going to just confuse you. But like I've been processing this, but listen, I stand before you as a pastor, not a doctor. And so we're talking about this spiritually, so please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to counseling. I'm not saying you shouldn't get help. I'm saying you should. You should do whatever you need to get help. Uh, but I'm saying this is a spiritual issue. So the, this morning, how do we fight anxiety spiritually is what I'm trying to answer. How do you fight anxiety spiritually? So that you experience more of the peace that you've been given in Jesus. So, okay, intro over. Here we go. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Let's talk about this. The Apostle Paul says in verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So Grace Church, this is a strong Bible verse. The Bible just said, be anxious for nothing, like command. It commanded us, God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, like the Holy Spirit says, don't be anxious ever. It's a, it's a command followed by a promise. It's an if-then statement. If you do this, if you're not anxious because you pray, then you will experience the peace of Christ ruling in your heart. It's an if-then statement. And so an, another way to say this is, 
you, you won't get the peace of God ruling in your heart without the process of fighting anxiety through prayer. So that's kind of the journey that the scripture is talking about. Now, again, I know this is sensitive, but the Bible's clear. You're never called to be anxious. Now, you're like, well, do you know my life, Josh? I'm like, yeah. It, it's, it's still clear that God never requires anxiety of you. There's never a scenario in which God looks down and he's like, you know what, Let's, this scenario based on the circumstances, it's okay. You can rev up the anxiety on this one. He doesn't. It never is an option for God to say you should be processing it that way. You're, it doesn't mean you don't have burdens. It just means you're not supposed to carry them anxiously. It doesn't mean you don't have burdens. It just means you're supposed to not carry them anxiously, but peacefully. So in the Greek, the word anxious means to be drawn in different directions, to be pulled all over the place. And so the opposite of that is like being centered and being at peace. And so there's all over the place being pulled versus being centered. And the Bible says, be anxious about nothing, but in everything pray. So physiologically, when your chest tightens and you start to feel like, okay, here it's coming, and you start to have like, for me, like my neck turns red. I don't know about you guys, but like Amy will be like, bro, your neck's red. I'm like, I know. Probably red right now. Like, so, like, it, it happens to you. Your body activates, right? You know that. And the Bible's saying when your body activates, you're being pulled. You're being pulled. You feel it. The, the out of control, the, the inability to know the future. You're being pulled. And, and the Holy Spirit's saying in that moment, don't allow yourself to be pulled in many directions, but rather be allowed yourself to be pulled towards the Lord in prayer. And so according to Philippians 4, the antidote to anxiety is prayer. Now, I know for many of you, you're like, bro, I read your email this week, and you said there was an antidote to anxiety, so I brought my friends, and we have our notepad, and we have a pen ready, and this is the great reveal moment, and it's pray, like, I'm going to put down my pencil now. Do you guys have pencils? No one has a pencil. I'm like, grew up in the 90s, like, put your pencils down. So you're like, I put down my iPad, and I'm not listening anymore, because pray surely can't be the answer. Thanks, but no thanks. I've tried that before. Uh, it doesn't work. Prayer can't be it. So uh, before you hate on this approach, let me lovingly ask you, how is your approach working for you? Like that thing you're doing, is it working? Because I know this is an ever-present struggle. Uh, just a few years ago, right before the pandemic, my wife and I led uh, a conference full of college students, and we had a breakout session at this conference like 900 college students, and there was breakout sessions you could go to after the main sessions. And my wife led one on anxiety, depression, and shame. And 493 people went to her breakout session. For those of you who aren't good at math, that's 55% of the conference. <laughs> Josh, how do you know that? Because I led a breakout at the same time as my wife, and 22 people came to my breakout <laughs> session. Yes. It was on fasting. Yeah, I know, I know. Am I bitter? Totally. Did we end our session early so we could go to my wife's? Yes, we did. We did. We wanted to get the hand out. So, like, I know, I know this is happening. I know this is present. I know it's relevant. Young people, I know it's relevant. I know. We all know. But the question is, how are we dealing with it, and is it working for you? Like escaping to social media and death scrolling for five hours a day, how's that working for you? Comparing yourself to other people all day through social media. And I'm not the social media hater guy. I'm just asking, how's that working for you? 
uh, doubling down and being an alcohol, a workaholic and just going through life like, you know, controlling everything and being, you know, working all the time and busying yourself and fixing everything. How's that working for you? Suppressing your feelings and walking around like a volcano ready to erupt in anyone. How's that working for you? Going to the refrigerator and eating your feelings. How's that working for you? This one is particularly meaningful to me because multiple times in my life, I have finished an entire box of Girl Scout cookies, Thin Mint Girl Scout cookies to be exact. And before the sermon, I Googled how many calories are in a box of Thin Mints? 1,280 calories, friends. Multiple times in my life, I have eaten an entire box, both sleeves, like the whole thing. So I know what that feels like. And honestly, for a moment, it's great. Thin mints are God's gift to the world. Like, it's about to be Girl Scout season. You know, it's like, it's great. But how's that working for you? Pretending you're fine and working tirelessly to preserve your image. Like, how's that working for you? Burying your anxiety and addiction. Burying your anxiety and addiction. How's that working for you? I I don't think that these things have long-term sustainability, but yet we run to them. And so here comes the Bible laying out an ancient, beautiful command and promise. Command and promise. And I, I, I plead with you to allow this solution to have a chance in your life. Allow this solution to be better than the others. So here we go. What, what's the Bible's pathway to a life of the peace of God ruling in our heart? So number one, according to the text, we are supposed to confess our anxieties to God. Confess your anxiety to God. So the scripture says, let your worry be made known to God. Expose your worry before the Lord. Present your requests to God when anxiety comes. This is the command. When it comes, don't don't be anxious about it, but rather present it to the Lord. So uh, another way to say this is stop pretending you don't have it, the Apostle Paul's saying. That's not godly. It's not godly to deny this stuff. Rather, let those anxieties, when they rise up in you, just start sharing them with the Lord. Don't, don't push them down. Pick them up. Pick them up and take them all the way to heaven. Like drag them up to the gates of heaven before the Lord in prayer. Through prayer and petition, make your anxiety known to God. Let them rise up in you and then hand them over to God. This is a command in Scripture, a command to be obeyed in Scripture. Just like love your neighbor is the command to be obeyed. So First Peter says, cast your anxieties on him. Who's him? Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. Command, cast your anxieties on him. Psalm 55, cast your anxieties on the Lord and he will sustain you. He is the only one. This is the truth. God is the only one that can actually do something about our anxiety. The Holy Spirit can do something about it. And get this, he wants to. Do you know that God wants to do something about your worry? He wants to help you in your anxiety and fear. He wants to. It's his desire as a father to do that. He wants to carry these things for you, and he wants to process it with you. Uh, When I was in college, I remember uh, my hermeneutics professor said 73% of the psalms are lament psalms. They're complain psalms. They're they're anxiety psalms. 73% of the psalms are just people confessing their struggles before the Lord. And yet so often in the church, we're like, we can't do that. And yet our Bible is filled with, with people confessing their anxiety to the Lord. So ask yourself, how am I feeling? Ask yourself that. You know, I'm, I'm sad, I'm irritated, I'm confused, I feel trapped, I'm burdened. 
and ask yourself, why do I feel this way? This is what David in the Bible, he did this. He would ask the question, why are you downcast within me, O my soul? Ask yourself that. Why are you downcast within me? And then process that stuff before the Lord. Be honest in real time. Ask yourself how you're feeling. And then in its most raw, gritty, honest, straightforward form, talk it out to God. Dump it on the Lord. And it is not too heavy for him to carry. He wants to carry that for you. This is something I've done over the years, almost like as a habit. So this is a resource to you. If it helps, praise the Lord. If not, no big deal. But in Mark chapter 9, there's this guy that comes to Jesus and he says, uh, my son is sick, can you, will you heal him? And Jesus, and he says, if you can, will you heal my son? And Jesus says, if I can, like, do you believe? And, and the guy responds, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Like, so him and Jesus have this beautiful exchange. And so I was reading in a book where it talked about one of the ways you can process anxiety is through that prayer. And so you would do this. You would breathe in, Lord, I believe. And you would breathe out, help my unbelief. Try it right now as a church. Ready? Breathe in. Lord, I believe. Breathe out. Help my unbelief. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And even just like breathing. Lord, I believe. I can't see it. I don't have it all figured out. It's out of control. But Lord, I believe. Would you help my unbelief? Uh, there, there's practices of, of like really beautiful meditation practices where you wake up in the morning and you just put your hands out like this and you think about all the worries and concerns of the day. You just put them before the Lord, and then you turn your hands over, releasing them to God. And you say, God, today you're in control. And so as a church, right now, practice this. Put your hands out like this. Just for a moment, just think about all the stuff you got. For some of you, that's not hard at all. For some of you, you're like, well, let me think for a minute. <laughs> like, think about the stuff you're carrying. And the command from God is like, that stuff you're carrying, give it to me. That's the command. Give it to me. And so just... For a moment, pretend you're just surrendering that to God. Just release that from your hands. Release it. Like, God, I give it to you. Now, that's not magic. I'm not saying it's easy, but these are habits. These are disciplines that can help you obey the command of confessing your anxieties to God. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. God, this is what I'm carrying. I don't want to carry it anymore. This is the command. And if we do the command, then there's a promise attached to it. So, um, <clears throat> point number one, confess your anxieties to God. Now, point number two, um, I've been your pastor for like 13 months, and if I've never had a point in a sermon that I was more excited to talk to you about than point number two of this sermon. I hope this radically changes all of your lives. <laughs> like, I cannot overstate how if we do this next thing, it will be the single most helpful habit you have in the entirety of your life. So number two, allow your anxiety to fuel a life of prayer without ceasing. Allow your anxiety to fuel a life of prayer without ceasing. So listen, this is not just one and done. This whole series is morning and night. The scripture just said in every situation, morning and night, in all accounts, everywhere you find yourselves, some translations say pray without ceasing, without stopping. So the Bible just told us that the greatest weapon against anxiety is prayer without ceasing. Now, I want us to frame this properly. There's a great book by Paul Miller called A Praying Life that changed my life. And here's what they talk about in the book. He said, so often prayer without ceasing is framed as being better in discipline. Like, hey, church, you want to have more discipline to pray every day. And Paul Miller says this has nothing to do with discipline. This has everything to do with desperation. Your praying without ceasing is not going to come from greater discipline. It's going to come from greater desperation. Because it doesn't matter how much discipline you have when you have a heightened realization of how desperate you really are. 
And so in other words, you wake up every day and nobody has to force you to eat food. Now, maybe eating healthy, okay, that's a different thing. But you have hunger and hunger produces a desire to eat food. You have thirst and that produces a desire to drink. But spiritually, we do not have those same triggers like we ought. And so we don't understand that this whole thing is really about hunger. This whole thing is really about desperation. So to increase our prayer life, we need to learn to grow in our desperation. You go, how do you do that? You frame it differently. Here's how. Anxiety, those chest tightening moments, the neck red moments, they are revealing to you how needy for God you really are. They're they're a revelation to you. Use them as such. The enemy has intended anxiety for your evil. Now turn it and use it for good. So in other words, don't ask God to take it all away, but rather say, God, you've designed the circumstances of my life. You're in charge, and they're not being removed right now. So in the light of all of that, I still want your peace to reign in my life. And so here's the gift. Allow your anxiety to be a megaphone that yells, pray, 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 pray. Every time it comes for you, it's saying, pray, pray. It's not saying death scroll. It's not saying Girl Scout cookies. It's not saying, it's saying pray, 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 pray. Praying without ceasing is the, the antidote to an anxiety-filled life. And this seemed to be the strategy of Paul and the New Testament believers. They seem to pray without ceasing all the time while simultaneously having very difficult, anxious-filled circumstances. I'll show you. In Romans chapter 1. Verse 9, it says, For God is my witness, that without ceasing I mention you in my prayers always. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4, I give thanks to my God always for you in prayer because of the grace of God that was given to me in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1, 16, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you always in my prayers. Ephesians 6, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. Colossians 1, verse 9, and so from this day we heard we have not ceased to pray for you. Colossians 4, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Colossians 4, verse 12, always struggling on behalf of you in our prayers, that you might stand mature and be fully assured in in all that is the will of God. 2 Timothy, verse uh, chapter 1, verse 3, I thank God whom I serve as night and day. I constantly remember you in my prayers. Prayer without ceasing was the normative way the New Testament believers were living and trying to teach us to live, and it's not that they were not stressed out. The Apostle Paul is stressed out all of the time. Multiple times in the New Testament, it says the pressure of the churches were crushing him. At one time, the Apostle Paul says he's experiencing the pain of childbirth because of his desire to see his people come to know Jesus, that that's the kind of stress he is under. There's one story in the book of Acts where they get shipwrecked, which that just sounds awful and stressful. They make it to the shore. They try to start a fire. He grabs firewood and a viper bites his hand. Not an awesome day. That's what they were experiencing. Shipwrecked, snake bitten, pressure of the churches, the pain of childbearing. He's anxious, but he leveraged it to throw himself back into the arms of God. The enemy wants to use anxiety to trigger you to escape. What if God wanted to use anxiety to trigger you to engage, to move in towards him, to cast things on him? So stop trying to fight your anxiety, Grace Church. Stop trying to fight it. Instead, 
When your anxiety knocks on the door, say, hello, anxiety. Welcome. I'm glad you're here. I would like for you to meet my friend Jesus. And every time you talk to me, I'm just going to pass it on to Jesus. And instead of trying to suppress my anxiety or manage it or tune it out with all the other stuff, I'm just going to turn it towards God. So listen, use your anxiety as a doorway to continuous prayer. You go, how do I do that, Josh? Let your anxiety become your prayer. Just pray it. Whatever you're feeling, just pray it. Pray in real time the anxiety you're feeling before God. As your heart and your circumstances generate problems, you generate prayer. As you feel the feelings, you generate prayer. And so I know this sounds crazy, but the person in the room who's experiencing the most anxiety is the person in the room with the most opportunity to have a prayer life without ceasing. The person who feels it the most has an opportunity. Now, there is a tension of you being like, now I feel shame, Josh, because I have the most, and now I'm not praying. And you said, no, I'm saying this is an opportunity, and the enemy's trying to leverage it for evil. You can turn it for good. You can experience this for good. Again, Paul Miller, who wrote A Praying Life, he says this. He, he says, um, he makes this bold claim, challenging claim to me. Paul Miller says that anxiety is what happens when you don't pray without ceasing. How bold is that? And he, he uses this metaphor. He says, unused, the unused prayer link that we have with God, it looks like anxiety flying around like a broken power line, destroying everything it touches. I was so challenged by this concept that he puts forward, like, if you don't have a praying life, then you have an anxious life. That's what he puts forward. It's so challenging and it moved me. So number one, confess your anxieties to God in real time. Confess them. Number two, allow your anxiety to fuel a life of prayer without ceasing. My hope is that some of you came in with a prayer life that was okay and, and you leave and you're like, Josh just said, if I have anxiety, I can pray it. Now I have the best prayer life in the whole uh, world. Like it, it just, it can transform us like that. Allow your anxiety to, to fuel a life of prayer without ceasing. Number three, receive your father's thoughts so you can receive your father's peace. As you and I learn to do this, this is going to take time and energy and practice and habits and discipline and desperation. It's going to take all that. As we learn to do that, to turn our anxiety into prayer, then your mind is going to start to be transformed because your mind is connecting with your father. And your father lives in peace and reigns in peace, and that's going to start to reign in you. And your mind is going to start to turn to, and this is what the scripture says, it's going to turn to whatever's true. Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, anything that's excellent or praiseworthy, you're going to start thinking about these things because you've been praying your anxiety and your Father's presence is giving you his peace. Prayer without ceasing changes you. It gives you your Father's thoughts and gives you your Father's peace and it teaches you to trust God again and God wants us to trust him so this may be the hardest thing I say to us, and this is the hardest thing I feel, that the root of anxiety is really a mistrust in God's character. It's disbelief. Yeah, anxiety is the presenting issue, but under that is you're, you're going, God, I don't know if you're going to come through for me. God, I don't know if you see me in this scenario. God, I don't know if you're trustworthy. God, I don't know if you're going to make this happen for me. God, I don't know if you're faithful. I don't know if you're good to me. I don't know if actually you are a good father. But prayer is the means by which you rebuild that trust with God. 
prayer is the means by which you rebuild your relationship with God. And I think some of us struggle in prayer because in some ways we, we come and we think that we've got to act. Uh, again, Paul Miller, he says, he says, some of you act like adults when you pray and you need to start acting like children when you pray. If you want to pray your anxiety, just start acting like children. Like just go hang out with a three-year-old and just listen to how they talk and just like pray like that. I commute 20 minutes three times a week with a three-year-old. It's a nightmare. My daughter Jane, God bless her, sits in the back seat and just talks to me for 20 straight minutes about everything under the sun. She wants to play I Spy. She wants to do this. She wants to ask about this. She's, she is all over the place, and she just talks to me. And when she's in need of something, if she drops something, can't reach something, she's desperate, she just talks it out. And God is like, hey, Josh, come to me like a child. Come to me like a child. Stop being so mature in your prayers. Stop acting like an adult in your prayers. Rather, just come to me and talk to me like you. I'm your father. And you have a need that you can't fix. And you've tried the social media. You've tried the atomic habits. You've tried everything that's out there to fix this thing. And it works a little bit and it's helpful. But like at the end of the day, come to me. And let me slowly transform your mind and your thoughts. And one day... It takes time, but you will start to experience the peace of Christ ruling in your heart and mind. Come to me. And so listen, I think anxiety is a big deal to Jesus because in anxiety, Jesus' father's trustworthiness is on the line. Anxiety is a big deal to Jesus because his father's trustworthiness is on the line, and Jesus knows his father is trustworthy. Jesus knows his father is good and that you can call on his father And you can cast your cares upon his father, and he will primarily start to transition your mind and your heart from this being set everywhere to being centered and living under the peace of Christ. Jesus knew this, and he had anxiety. Jesus had stress. He had worry, but somehow he didn't let that stuff reign in his life, and he remained sinless. And it's because he trusted his father. The first recorded sentence in the Gospels that Jesus says is, didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? Luke Luke chapter 2, talking about the temple. The first word the prodigal son utters when he comes home is, Father, Abba. He's back home with his father. The first word of the Lord's prayer is, Abba, Father. The first word in the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus is under all of the pressure of the, the oncoming, you know, absorption of the wrath of God, drinking the cup of the wrath of God, the first word he said in the Garden of Gethsemane is, Abba. The first words on the cross are, Abba, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The last words on the cross are, Father, Abba, into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus could find a way to fight against the temptation of anxiety and worry because he had an ongoing, never-ending prayer life with his Father. And he wants that for us. He wants you to be reminded that you have connection to a good Father. And he wants you to cast your cares on him. And I hope, I hope that this is good news for us today, and I hope that you hear what I'm saying and not what I'm not saying. So in other words, I'm not saying that God is going to change your circumstances. That is never promised. But I am saying in the midst of your circumstances, the peace of Christ can rule in your mind and heart. There is no promise that the circumstances will change. There is no promise that you cast your anxieties on him and then everything changes. Jesus is anxious in the Garden of Gethsemane, and God does not change his circumstances. And there is nothing more stressful and worrisome than the Garden of Gethsemane and the oncoming crucifixion of Christ. And God does not change his circumstances. It's like the the story of the storm where the storm's going on. 
And Jesus is somehow at peace in the middle of the storm. And so somehow, as a church, we have to be people that recognize God is not in the business of changing our circumstance. He's in the business of meeting us in the middle and giving us the peace of Christ to rule and reign in the middle of the chaos. Sin has broken the world, and you may fight anxiety for the rest of your life. You may never fully be free from the the grip of, of the physiological feelings. But the antidote is prayer and praying without ceasing. And what happens when we do that as a church and we do that as people, we start to look different in the world. We start to be people who walk the world. In the age of anxiety, we walk the world as non-anxious presence. You know people like this. You get around them and you're like, man, do you have a secret? Like you walk with the peace of God ruling in your heart and mind. So listen, Grace Church, our gift to the world can be the gift of non-anxious presence. But we know this is a battle. And so we want to fight this morning. We want to spiritually fight back. Uh, We told you in the vision series that one of our initiatives as a church was to relaunch soul care. Well, I have good news. Soul Care has been relaunched. We have 14 counselors who have been trained, and in the next four to six weeks, you're going to be hearing more about opportunities for you to fight back and for you to get help. So we're not just saying, hey, you know what, Grace Church, uh, pray today, and then I don't want to talk about anxiety anymore. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying we are in a fight for our lives. So let's fight. Let's spiritually engage and fight. We're going to help do counseling. We are, we are going to push this forward as a church to say, we want the peace of Christ to rule in our mind and heart, and we know this is war. We know. And so this morning, we want to give you the opportunity to wage some war in your mind and your heart, and to come before God and say, God, I'm stressed. I'm all over the place. God, would you center me again? God, would you help me again believe that you are trustworthy? Can I trust you again today? We want to leverage this opportunity. The invitation this morning is really simple. The band's going to come out and play. We're going to have our prayer partners here. You can either pray with a prayer partner or you can stay in your seat. But would you this morning confess your anxiety to God? Would you this morning commit to let your anxiety fuel a life of prayer without ceasing? And then when we obey the command, by God's grace, we will experience the promise You don't get the promise without obeying the command. By God's grace, we'll experience the promise that over time, the peace of Christ will start to take ground in our mind. The peace of Christ will start to take ground in our heart. And slowly but surely, we will get the mind of Christ. But this morning, let's take an opportunity to fight back. So I want to pray that we'd be these kind of people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. your word that invites us to pray. God, I I pray that in a sermon like this, you would be covering all the places where I said the wrong thing, where I didn't say the right way, and that nobody in this place would feel any sense of shame or fear or worry because they experience anxiety, maybe more than others. God, I just pray against all of that stuff. And I pray that this morning we could come before you and we can practice this command. We could, we could obey the command right now. We could confess our anxieties to you right now. And Father, I pray that as we do that, as we obey the command, that we'd experience the promise. We'd experience the promise of your peace starting to rule in our mind and heart. 
God, this is a spiritual issue. We know that people are spiritually captive right now. And so, Father, we pray for their freedom. We pray for their escape from the enemy's trap. And God, we believe that you provide something that no book can provide, that no new idea can provide. God, you actually provide power to transform us. So Father, this morning, we, may, may we obey your command to confess and may we experience your promise. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.